Hello everyone, I am Gui Valente and this is the Valente Brothers Podcast. I am joined by Pedro Valente. Always nice to see everyone, thank you for being here. And Joaquim Valente. Hello everyone, very happy to be here. Once again, new episode, I would like to thank all of you for the amazing support, for your comments, for your likes for sharing our videos, that's very important, it helps spread the message. And today, once again, we have prepared a very uh, insightful conversation, we hope, and uh, a very interesting topic, something that we often uh, get many questions about, which is how we were raised, and of course, um, the techniques now that we're using already as parents, Uh, with our children. So, Pedro, how do we help children become, of course, healthy, um, happy, and self-confident? Yes, it's been almost 30 years that we've been working with children directly. And this work happened exclusively on the mat, And we've been able to see through jiu-jitsu, through our method, amazing transformations. We always try to apply the lessons that we learned from our father, from Grandmaster Elio, who we considered both of them to be amazing psychologists, especially when it came to children, to giving children confidence and raising children to be strong, successful, and happy adults. But once we became parents, and I think I can speak for you as well, we were able to apply all these philosophies, and we continue to apply as our sons grow. We continue to apply these philosophies directly, and I think that it's a very interesting topic when we talk about parenting and a confidence-based approach rather than a fear-based approach. Joaquin, you're still working on it, practicing to become become a a father. Um, But what can you tell us about the combination, really? We have to to say that our upbringing was really a combination of, a very united combination of our parents, of course, our father, our mother, our grandparents, very important. Um, but also Edugris and some of his sons. Our dad, he believed that for us to be able to become successful, and I think when we talk, Pedro just spoke about successful, I think we could define what was success for our dad in us and in his children. And I think one of the most beautiful things before our dad passed, he had a conversation with one of our students and he said that his biggest wealth was how we as brothers and our sister, how we were united, right? And, and he was so happy with our work, with, with everything that we did here in Miami and my sister in Brazil with her profession and horseback riding and you guys building your families and all that. But our dad, he always believed in creating and putting 
great role models around of us, right? And he was always very careful with the influences that were around us. And, um, you know, he believed that, you know, children, and we can see this through our work here at our school, how they absorb influences in such an easy way. They're like sponges, right? And, uh, and when you understand that, and you create good role models, good mentors in their life. Find good role models. Finding good role models and, and, and you know, having good mentors around them. That influence is going to be very important in their upbringing. And that's what Grandmaster Elio was. You know, from a teacher to, for me, a great friend. To, you know, even the role of a grandfather. My grandfather's, you know, passed away when I was very young. And, uh, and being able to have him as you know, someone that I could look up to, someone that I felt very comfortable to be able to talk about topics that sometimes it's hard to talk with family and to talk to even your parents. And uh, your master Elio was always very caring. And, and our dad always gave him, you know, a lot of liberty to be able to fulfill that role. You know, there was never any kind of, uh, you know, restriction. You know, he always encouraged us to talk to your master Elio, to ask for his opinion and I think that takes a lot, and you know, for a lot of you know, into Grandmaster Elio's credit, to be able to gain that trust from our father, from our mother, and it was the first place that I ever slept outside of my house was in Grandmaster Elio's house, and I think that you know speaks a lot. I think both of you can talk about the kind of trust that you need as a father to be able to allow that, right? No, for sure. I think the for the three of us, that was the first place we slept away from our homes. But Pedro, so where does it all start as far as this process, uh, this um, huge mission? I think that you could even compare it to um, a, a, a business plan in many ways. It starts with choosing the right partner, the person who's going to be your partner in this project, in this mission. And parenting should be treated as a mission as a project, and it requires your full attention for you to be successful at it. So it all starts with choosing who your partner is going to be for that project. And then the whole process of parenting begins in the womb, the prenatal elements of properly raising a child. What do you mean in the womb? In the womb, when the mother is pregnant. But how does that affect the child? Tremendously. Scientific studies show that um, the emotions of the mother, the nutrition of the mother, the environment that the mother is in while carrying that child has a tremendous impact in the health and the future personality of that child. So we believe that when the woman is pregnant, if possible, we should create an atmosphere of absolute harmony, tranquility, peace of mind, as much as possible. We live in a, in a difficult world full of struggles and pains, but the mother should be protected as much as possible during that time. And also the nutrition of the mother is extremely important. What she's eating, the foods that she's eating will allow for the child to grow in the womb, healthy and prepared for a positive life. So, 
the famous question, is it um, about nurture? Is it about nature? I think it's uh, both, absolutely. Genetics play a role. But if you look at into epigenetics and how genetics can be transformed and modified as well, these are new discoveries in science, you will see that nurture is even more important. The environment, how you raise that child is going to have a tremendous impact. So we're talking now about maybe even the infant yes. time yes. as so, the baby. So it starts in the womb, and then as the baby is born, you have those, that, those first months where the baby practically is only eating and sleeping. But some people, Pedro, believe that, you know, the baby, we don't remember, we have no memories, right, of that time. Yeah, the time when you have no memories of, those are the most important times in your development. According to who? According to my opinion. <laughs> That's interesting and several, because... And several scientific studies. Of course. The personality is shaped... Yes. At that time, because that's where the unconscious mind is being programmed. Because a lot of people think that, you know, when you say that you believe that nurture is more important, that you're considering that that begins the moment the baby is born. Right? Oh, you nurture and before. Exactly. And, and I think that's a big point. That Correct. During pregnancy. That's such an important, and, and this is something that is backed by science. And not only that it's nurture, but the influence that this is going to have in the future of the development of that individual, right? From infant to a kid to... To an adult. To an adult. Absolutely. Yeah. It shapes the personality of the person. It can have an impact on that, on that person's personality. Now, even um, the food, the diet. I think one time we were discussing, someone asked us, when did you start uh, the Gracie diet, the natural eating regimen? When did you start eating with that uh, philosophy under those guidelines? And we, we answered, well, if our mom was following it, that's when it started. Correct. Correct. We were already eating according to the regimen, to the diet, when we were inside our mother's womb. Whatever she was eating, we were eating. We were was eating. affecting our, our nourishment. So, so do you believe uh, it's okay for a, a mom who, who is pregnant to have maybe a glass of wine here and there? I don't. Obviously, people can make their own decisions, and I respect other people's decisions. But that's not within my philosophy for parenting and raising children. I think alcohol should be abstained from, not just during pregnancy, but several months before pregnancy, in preparation for that moment. These principles are ideals. We might not be able to apply all of them. I'm sharing what I believe is ideal, is optimal, and then we're going to do our best. But I think what's ideal is for no alcohol to be consumed several months before pregnancy. What else? And obviously during pregnancy as well. So, but and it's not just about alcohol. It's about a, a diet that is going to be best for the nourishment of the child. What else? Once the baby is born... Breastfeeding. I'm a firm believer, and our father was, and Grandmasters Carlos and Elio were as well, in the power of breastfeeding. Obviously, we understand that not every woman is able to do that, and then they have to find alternatives. But if possible, 
breastfeeding is paramount. And I believe that there are certain things that can also contribute with and increase the possibilities for women to have that ability correct within their own lifestyle. Yes, of course, if it's not possible, there are other alternatives. But um, I think it's really a combined effort, right? Yes. It is a combined effort. Yes. It, it requires, uh, and we're going to be talking a lot about this, but it requires a, 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 a tribe, Yes. Teamwork. Yes. Right? And it requires also studying, research, in addition to breastfeeding. When I became a father, I purchased several books on the subject, children's psychology. There are little things that you can do already with an infant. Just looking in his or her eyes, smiling, not smiling, certain movements from a very young age we already start moving the child and that comes from our jiu-jitsu experience and our jiu-jitsu knowledge we start moving the child in different ways to create different feelings and to start this process of generating confidence confidence in their body so they can feel well they can feel good inside their body so they don't feel awkward in their bodies and so this is something that starts at a very young age, relationship with water. We really believe in, in swimming. And at a very young age, already, first through the process of bathing, but then in the swimming pool, in the bathtub first, then in the swimming pool, but making them feel comfortable with water because we believe that is an, an instinct that must be preserved. And they're born with that. Also, fighting, the movements of fighting, roughhousing. But when? That are type we, of play. Are we now talking about what age? Well, I, I, taught my, I taught my son his first jiu-jitsu lesson, which means I had him on top of my chest and I was moving him in different ways. Obviously, this is done with a lot of care and study, so you understand how the, the anatomy of the child at that age moves. But when my, my son was three months, three months we were already... And before that, as I was changing his diapers, I was moving his feet in different ways. So the process starts basically when the child is born. And the great thing about uh, fighting, it's actually many times as you practice for fighting, you're doing the opposite of fighting. You're connecting. Correct. You're exchanging energy. And yes. I think uh, another area of parenting that has been studied a lot is how important it is for both parents, uh, for, for parents, for whoever's taking care of that, of that child, to be in contact, skin... Physical contact, skin-to-skin -skin contact. Skin-to-skin -skin contact. And right from the get-go. Yes. Right from the get-go, if possible. If possible, when the child is born, as quickly as possible to be on the mother's chest, skin-to-skin. -skin. Yes. That also has a tremendous impact on the child's confidence and well-being. So this psychology and studying how to create this environment in the first part of the process, which is prenatal aspect, before pregnancy, during pregnancy, postnatal, first, first months of life, extremely important. And it's interesting, right, Joaquin, because we're not specialists in the subject. Uh, we did not go to school for this uh, topic, but this is something that was always so present in our lives, right? Our father was a, was a great doctor. He became a world-renowned plastic surgeon but he understood so much about this topic and he talked about it so much. Yes. And of course, for us, this became very important and it is a source um, of, of course, his um, 
parenting and my mom and everything we learned from Edu Gracie, it is a source of inspiration. But how can you be a parent? How can you do anything in life without actually studying for it, preparing for it? Preparation. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, today with the number of students we have and so many kids and, you know, throughout the years having the experience in dealing with, you know, different situations, different problems, different obstacles in, in kids' lives, you know, it really gives us the chance to really interact with the parents and to hear from them their opinion and what they did, right? And then we can see the direct influence that those actions have, you know, in the kids on the mat because everything comes out on the mat, especially when they're, you know, going through the process of learning jiu-jitsu and having difficulties with different situations and, and uh, facing challenges on the mat. And so it's very interesting because I think we gather a lot of data. And That's if, true. If it's we so were to, to create a study, I think it would be a very rich study because we have a lot of information in so many years and, in, in, you know, just experiencing different types of upbringing and different types of philosophies when it comes to this subject. Yes, that's true. We see the different styles of parenting and the direct result on the mat. That's a great, and I think great with, point. with that said, it's important for us to keep in mind that, you know, there's not only one way, right? There's not a perfect book that will tell you how to, you know, up, uh, bring up a kid. And I think, you know, through this study and this experience or an informal study, we see that there's different ways that work out extremely well and that, you know, there's a lot of success And I think that, you know, if you're a parent and you're watching this and, you know, you're listening to these, you know, topics that we're talking about, especially with the prenatal and you're like, oh, I didn't do this. These are just contributing factors, right? There's still a lot of things that can be done. And there's, you know, we're firm believers that you can't change someone, that you can give them the elements to be able to, to develop in the correct direction. And, uh, you know, kids continue to be that sponge until they're in their teenager, in their teenage ages, uh, ages and, uh, and that influence will continue to be something that we can, can work on. And I think jiu-jitsu is a great, you know, therapy towards yeah. that and so More, many other activities. Yeah, absolutely. Let me just say something. We tell students in their 80s yeah. that they can change. Children can always change. Yeah, they absolutely. can change, but I think this is very nice. This is very motivational, but the truth is that This is very important. Oh, for sure. And if it doesn't start at an early age, it's going to be much more difficult. You're going to have to work a lot harder to make these changes. But still possible. Yes. Possibly. Yes. We hope so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not a lost cause. Absolutely. No, never. <laughs> you never give up. Yes. But you can really, I think as a, as a parent, you can really harm someone else's life. That's true. Um, many times, uh, inadvertently. Yeah. But... I believe, and that was my question, Joaquin, the importance of preparation, right? It's not easy. Um, some of my students who have older children, they always tell me, Guy, wait, right? Wait, of course. It's easier said than done. We all agree with that. But I think that um, what we can do is prepare ourselves. Yes. And then we do our best. Yes. And then we're going to live And we're going to um, accept the consequences. But what we cannot do, what we should not do, and I think that's really one of the missions of our work, is to motivate people around us to, uh, 
prepare themselves. Correct. Preparation. Yeah. Self-defense-wise, emotionally, as a parent as well. Yeah. And how do you prepare? I think firstly, observing, observation. You can learn from success stories, but sometimes even better to learn from the mistakes of others. Watching what doesn't work and not repeating those same mistakes, be it in your family yes, or be it somewhere else, but especially in your family. That's very difficult, right? Not breaking cycles. Breaking cycles, correct. It's very normal for you to just repeat the behaviors of your parents, even the bad ones, even the ones that you didn't like, but that's all you know. And you don't think about it and you do it automatically. And these things perpetuate themselves generation after generation after generation. So... Do you mind if I say something? One time, a, a good friend of ours, um, who's a psychologist, she said, Guy, we have to always be careful not to judge because whoever we're judging might not have the tools that we have or that we would like them to have. I think that makes a lot of sense, right? You would like someone to behave a certain way but they just do not have those tools. Correct. They were never taught that. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes in line with what you just said about breaking cycles and about how sometimes we end up doing to others, even to our children, what we did not like that was done to us. So let's learn those tools. Let's get those tools. Let's buy those tools. And I think that, for that, it's never too late. 100%. We can always learn. And if... We don't make the corrections for ourselves, 100%, even though we're going to try to do it. Let's improve next generations. Yes. Be it your children or be it children that you work with as a teacher, as Correct. any profession that allows you to have a positive impact on someone else's life. So experience. Learning from success stories, learning from mistakes especially. And then when you go to school, when you attend the university, how do you learn? That's a big jump. University? Yeah, because you told, you told me that we are not specialists. In the beginning of the podcast, you said, we're not specialists because we don't have diplomas, we didn't go to school. Correct. Well, when you go to school, what happens? How do you learn, mainly? Books. Yeah. Reading books, right? So you might not be able to go to school for that subject because you have a different profession, but that doesn't preclude you from reading books and reading as much as you can on the subject. Different opinions. Don't only read what you agree with. Read what you don't agree with. And then there are other sources. You can go to YouTube and find lectures by the biggest experts in the world on the subject. Compare and contrast and find your own way. And that's what I always try to do. I try to inform myself as much as I can and then make my own decisions based on our philosophy, because we have, we were handed a very specific philosophy from birth, right? Our father gave an interview when he was 30 years old, very successful, young. He became very successful as a doctor at a very young age. And he said, I feel that I have an advantage over my peers because of my philosophy. And that might be seen as arrogance, but it's not, it's self-confidence. And he believed that he had an advantage because of this philosophy. And we were given this philosophy. And we believe in this philosophy. And this philosophy created an identity for us. It defines our character in many ways. And so we study, but we maintain 
this philosophy because we believe in it. And this identity, I believe, is very important in the process of parenting. Yeah, this is such a fine line, right, Joaquin? The difference between self-confidence and arrogance um, and maybe humility and weakness. I agree. I agree. But when you say self-confidence, in what sense do you apply to this? What Pedro was just saying, which is something that I grew up with a lot too, right? Almost a sense, we discussed this in a previous uh, episode, our lifestyle, the Valente tribe, and us feeling like we had an advantage over others because of the way we were raised. And I think you know, the reason I asked about self-confidence, I was thinking exactly about that, that required a lot of self-confidence from our parents because they were basically going, rowing against the current and they were going against what most people were doing. So I think that everything that we spoke about until at this point requires a lot of self-confidence. So I think in the preparation part that we spoke about for the parents, developing that self-confidence, developing that ability to critically think independently, many times against what the norm is, is, is saying and against what the norm is, is pushing you to believe, you know, I think it's extremely important because if not there's a big chance that you're just going to be like everyone else. But going back to the point, self-confidence is a great virtue. Humility as well. How do you create both? Because it is true. We can speak in a more political way and say that every, there are different ways and a lot of different ways to find success. But I'm sure that you believe that the way you eat is better than yeah, what the, I, other, the other way, what right? I, uh, right? Yes. You believe it's better. I believe it's better. You believe your philosophy is better than the other person, the next person. Yeah. Because in the end of the day, you still got to make choices. But right? isn't that arrogance? Thinking no. that you're better than somebody else? No. That's the ability to critically think. Because every day you're critically thinking and you're making a choice to live this way. Especially okay. now that we're adults, you have the ability to make choices. But, I, as, but the choices have consequences. And when you see that someone starts making the wrong choices and they start going in a different direction, there's consequences for that. Yeah. And I think when you're, when you're talking about bringing up children, those, those consequences, they're very, um, they're very visible. They're very, you know, it really expresses themselves. And let me just say something to complement that. When we say that our philosophy is better than other philosophies. We're not saying that we are better than somebody else. I think that's the difference. If I think that I'm better than the next person, that's arrogance. I don't think I'm better than anyone else. My philosophy is better. And if there's another one, or if there's something about another philosophy that can enhance ours... We're open-minded. We're open-minded, and we have to adapt I think that's what jujitsu teaches us. I think what we're talking about here is um, quite interesting. <laughs> but it reminds me, Pedro, when you asked, you know, do you think yours is better? And Joaquin said earlier, there are different ways. I think there are different stages in life. And I think as children, we have to follow. We have to follow and we have to uh, 
develop a very important ability, which is the ability to respect authority, the ability to understand hierarchy, because we're still young. Others have already experienced a lot. And like Elio Grace used to say to us, what you guys are going through, I have already experienced multiple times. I'm so much older. Now, does it mean that everyone who's older than you develops that experience, learns? No, but some do. And like Joaquin also said earlier, recognizing that and understanding as a parent, selecting mentors, choosing the right school for your children, you're going to learn as a child that you have to have a direction. You have to um, follow someone's lead. Right? Correct. Are, I, you I, go, are you going to reinvent the wheel every time? And I, I think today there's a little bit of that maybe. There's a little bit of um, a, a, a five-year-old should choose if he wants to do this or that. Should a five-year-old choose? So what do you think, Pedro? I think you're absolutely right. Children need structure. They need firm guidelines and rules. Because that creates stability. So people believe that you should give children total freedom so they can be themselves. To me, nothing is more wrong than that. And they need confidence. Correct. Right? What's the best way for them to follow? If they believe that that's the best way. And, and that's, but that's what I was going to say. It's important also to use psychology with children. I don't believe that you, you, you should train children to obey. We should train children to make good choices. There's a difference. I don't think we should train children to obey. We should train them to make good choices. But, but you, sometimes but as, they have to obey. But as, yes, yes, but that's the exception. I think that when they obey without agreeing, that's not good. You must explain what you want them to do. You must also, because people say, do this. That's usually what parents do. Do this. But imagine the child doesn't understand how they should do it, and most importantly, why they should do it. So you have to think about the what, but you also have to think about the how and the why. Okay, so in a moment of crisis. No, but we're not. Get out of there. That's, That's dangerous. Get out of there. Okay. So, no, I don't agree with it. So <laughs> we're teaching them to make good choice so they do get out. But the point is that we cannot use an extreme example where there's a fire I understand. and you want them to, yes, trust you enough, but that bond, that trust is going to be created with a strong relationship. And yes. that strong relationship and that trust is only created when you give them a sense of autonomy. Children, because you don't want to break their spirit. You don't want to break their ability to think differently. Because one, one day it might be someone else telling them to do something. It's an and instinct, a free, uh, the instinct of freedom that we all have. So like anything else, it's a balance. People sometimes make a mistake because they go too much on one extreme or the other. And then there's a pendulum that swings. You see a generation of parents who are extremely strict and use a fear-based system where they scream and they make the child obey everything and the child has no, no personal opinion and no say in anything. Well, and then you have the other side, which gives total freedom, 
and is afraid to hurt the feelings of the child. And those both, both ways, in my opinion, do a lot of harm. Yeah, I understand. We have seen the results over many generations. I think of the first option that you cited. We've seen both. And I'm, we're starting to see now more examples and more consequences of the second. Yes. So I understand and I agree. And that's what we, I think, got from our father, from our parents, now our mom. We had freedom, but we had to, to obey. Discipline. We had... Yes. There's a way, I think, that people sometimes, they, they think that you have to choose between discipline and love, care, right? And that's something I remember my father when I think of this concept because I always felt extreme love and extreme care from our father. But at the same time, I understood that my place as a son and that I had to respect him. But... So our father, how many times did he say, I love you, to you? He wouldn't use the word love. He used a similar word because I think he felt the word love had lost its meaning. But, uh, but That's would, a different podcast, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> he, uh, but he said, meu filho adorado, te adoro, a lot. Which is, I, I adore you. Yes. Yeah. No, it's very interesting. Yeah. It, it was very he, caring. Who said tough love? There was a, right? You love, but you also teach discipline. It doesn't mean, right? If you, if you teach discipline and if you're tough, it doesn't mean that you don't love. But I think you need both. I think that if you only all, I know of some parents of friends of mine, you know, some that they think is like old-fashioned from different regions of Brazil, that all you do is tough, 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 discipline, scream at the child. You break the child. And then as adults, you see that they are traumatized. Our father did both. He, there was a lot of love and care, and there was a lot of discipline. If you don't give both, it's a problem. If you only tough, strong, hit the child, discipline, discipline, and there's no emotional connection, it's not going to work. And if it's only about love, love, emotional connection, and almost a fear of hurting the child's feelings, sheltering, shielding all the time, and not letting the child experience the real the reality of life. Yeah, it's very interesting. This reminds me of a, a story. Our father had a great friend of his, an older friend, that he considered also to be a mentor, not Elio Gracie, another friend he had, who told my dad one time, Pedro, I feel like you, you're a little bit too much on top of your children. Um, children, and as they grow, um, young adults, they need to, the expression in, in Portuguese is quebrar a cara. They need to break their face. They need to make their own mistakes. They need to make their own mistakes. And learn from them. They need to go through certain situations. And our dad partially disagreed with that. He said, yes, that's going to happen anyway, but I will try as much as possible to teach them, to give them the tools yes. so that it doesn't happen so much or that you know, they don't break the face too much. My father yeah. would not want that, and I think most parents would not want that. But what you said is very So it's important. a fine line, right? But you said something very important. He wasn't achieving that by sheltering us and overprotecting us. He was achieving, us, achieving that by teaching us. 
and giving us tools, but still giving us the freedom. I, at 13 years old, I went to California and I would get the bicycle and go to the Redondo Peach, uh, Beach Pier, the Alamo Mall by myself. Even when you were younger. No too. cell phones. Yeah. When I was younger, play with my friends. So I was exposed. I wasn't sheltered. But yes. Well, you were sheltered. No, when I, you use, were the word, when I use the word sheltered. Because that's depending on the perspective, right? No, Imagine I, a child that's born in a favela in Rio no, de Janeiro. No, but, but that's not, okay. That's a good point. But, yeah. but the, I, I use the word sheltered as far as overly protective parents. Every, every child, I hope, can be sheltered to a certain degree. Of course. So degrees. But we were not raised with parents who overly protected us. That's my point. And maybe if their instinct was to protect us, I think our father, his instinct was to protect us. And I, he used what? Jiu-jitsu. And exposing us to different situations so that we could... And I think one of those situations was even sending us to spend a lot of time in Grandmaster Elio. And I think even... In the, you know, I don't want to jump ahead, but even coming to the United States. And I think that once you expose the child to situations where they have to make the right choices, and as a, as a father, as a mother, you see that they're making the right choices, that gives them confidence to be able to do them more. And that's very interesting, because yes, he protected us, and his instinct was to protect, but always by giving us the tools and let us protect ourselves without his interference, if that was possible. Like one time when I was being bothered by a child, being bullied, bullied by a child, he didn't, like many parents will do, say to the bully, stop doing that to my son, and then go complain with the parent of the bully. What, what did my father do? Pulled me aside, said, that kid is bullying you, go there and fight him. <laughs> Defend yourself. But he let me do it. And that's very important. Sometimes I tell parents, when parents want to stand up for the child, they think that means that they're being loving. But they are, what are they telling the child? You cannot do it yourself. I have to do it for you. Yeah. So in the park, sometimes the children are playing. And then one kid is bullying. And then the, the mother or the father is like, don't do that. And then goes to the parent. And gets upset at the other child. At the other child. That's complete, we find that completely wrong. The other child doesn't know better. And it's not even your position to do that. And then it's going to happen when you're not watching, and then what? Yeah, I remember Joaquin one time, right, in school. Joaquin, I saw, I was, our school had these tall buildings, and you could look down and see the field, and there was a, a boy who was, I think, also bullying you, and I went all the way down. I was out just for a little uh, break, but I went all the way down, and I was trying to, to tell Joaquin to, to go there and confront that kid, because... For me to try to do something to a little child and think that that's going to help Joaquin in any way makes absolutely no sense. It has to be about equipping the child, your child or your student, to have the tools to do it by themselves. Correct. If not, it's a crutch. And that's yes. why the only way is in training. Yes. Because the only way that you're going to have the ability to be able to go through those situations is in training. The only way that the, the, the parents are going to be able to deal with a hard situation is if in the easy ones, they made the right choices. They, they, they imposed, you know, in, the, in a good way, the philosophy 
that will give them the chance to have the confidence to be able to allow the choi- the child to make to be able to make the choices. I, you know, this reminds me of the the quote I posted a couple of days ago on my Instagram that says exactly that, and I think applies so much into raising kids, which is easy choices, hard life. Hard choices, easy life. And I think this is one of the things that I feel that parents have the most, you know, hard time with, which is they want to make the easy choices because they don't, you know, for some reason believe in it or sometimes it takes willpower and that's why we shouldn't judge because sometimes they don't have the tools to be able to do it. But if they take the hard choices, right, most likely the child's life in the future will be easier Is a pacifier an uh, easy choice? Not. <laughs> sometimes, it is. Sometimes it is. Yeah. Sometimes it is. Yes. But so uh, sometimes it's just not possible. But the point is this. All of this that we're talking about requires something that is very difficult to have and to give nowadays. Attention. What's the easy way? Stay on your phone. Don't do that. Be careful. Stop. No. Or just give an iPad to the child. <laughs> yeah. But the child does not have your attention. All you're saying is don't do this. No. Stop. Don't do it. Be careful. Don't do it. And if they do something well, there's no acknowledgement because then you don't have to worry. And then all the feedback that the child gets from you is negative. Negative, negative. How are you building trust like that? So in order for you to be able to instill these values, these virtues, and this philosophy in a child, you must be willing to give your attention to the child. Obviously, we don't have all the time to spend with the child because we're working, we're doing different things. But the time that we're spending with the child, if possible, we must give the child our undivided attention because that's going to create good results. Right? That reminds me of a very popular song in the 70s, Cats in the Cradle. And it's a sad story. And it starts with a father that is never there for his child, doesn't give attention to his child. And the child's like, I want to be just like you, Dad. I just want to come play with the ball. Oh, I don't have time. I'm sorry. Oh, come. And then later in the song, it reverses. The child grows up. The father's older. The child is busy. The father's like, let's spend time, son. And he's like, I'm sorry, but I don't have time. And so time is so precious. Your time, your investment of time. And that's something that I always felt. But that's, an ungrateful, father, that's father, an ungrateful son, I believe. And then also an ungrateful father who did not give attention to his son. It well, goes both I, ways. I, no, it doesn't go both ways. I don't a, think but so. But it's the ball. that it, it's, Sometimes yeah. you can't avoid it. You can't blame anyone. It just happens. Yeah. It's karma. It's reality. But, but I, I, I think that we should also as children understand that sometimes our parents are busy yeah and they're not doing it with a with a sometimes with an intention of of not sometimes. being there sometimes there are bad fathers out there and I, I don't our father was very busy but i always felt yes, him very present that's the point. yeah when he was yeah. with us he could be away for a long time but even when he was w- no with but us, even when he was away he loved to be with us but even yeah. when he was away he was extremely present Correct. and that's why i believe that uh, you know 
uh, and this applies both for fathers and, and mothers, you can be extremely present physically and not be, and not correct. be there. Correct. And you could be extremely not present physically because of you know situations in life, but still be very present. Our father, when we were living in the United States, he still he still used to call us to ask us if we brushed our teeth. And Guy, I was and not if we, saying if, if yeah. we worked Guy, out and if we. I was not saying that it's right for the kid to 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 get revenge. And to, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that happens. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, and I think it's two mistakes. Yeah. And and I don't think that um, you should continue perpetuate Correct. a mistake. I agree. I, I think that a better music <laughs> but the best way would be if the, the, the child, you know, even though his dad or mother didn't give him enough attention, you know, I'm going to give you my yeah, attention. But the song is not portraying the ideal world, it's portraying real life. And yeah, these things as a, you said it's earlier, a negative it gets aspect yeah, of real life. Yes. And it gets these things get perpetuated. Yeah. But sometimes you learn from mistakes. I just don't like people. Listening to that song makes me want to yeah. be an even better father. No, I agree. I just don't like this sense that sometimes children have, and I, and I talk a lot about it, even amongst us, but with friends, and we see it so much. Children being very quick to judge their parents, right? You don't know what was happening in their lives. You don't know how much they had to, to go through. I think I learned that myself through my experiences. I think that as you grow older and I think that as you start thinking about building your own family, it makes you rethink a couple of the moments that maybe in your youth you were judging your mom, you were judging your father, you were judging your grandparents. You know, they should have done this, they should have done that. And um, it, it's just very delicate and very difficult to do that. And I think that we should try to be more understanding and to, you know, like you like to, to say many times, you, what is the, the phrase, win by kindness? or yes. Beat them with kindness. Beat them with kindness. And in Correct. this case, you're not beating anybody, but you're just oh. really trying to bring out Absolutely. benevolence. But right now we're not talking about the children, we're talking about the parents. And as you yeah. said in the beginning, right, you said... Bad parenting has consequences, right? It has consequences. It's not that we hope the child can forgive, and but unfortunately, many times, for sure, the trauma doesn't even allow for that to happen. That I agree with. So, and that's when I agree with Joaquin that we should, we still have time to improve, and hopefully, we will improve enough not to retaliate against our parents. Exactly. Very true. Very true. Now. Let's talk about um, specific ways, specific rules of parenting. For example, your son is walking, running. How do you deal with a fall, for example? He's running, he falls. Good job. Get up. What if he cries? Same. I might check to make sure it's not something serious. But I will try always, that's what we learned with our parents and with Edgarese, you try to minimize any type of trauma or you try to make sure the child learns that he can handle it and he can overcome whatever adversity. Yes, you can acknowledge his feeling. Yeah. It hurts, it's okay. But it's important, I think, and, and that's something that people many times confuse in a more modern approach to parenting. 
Acknowledging feelings is great. And it's important to do that. But at the same time, teaching children to regulate feelings is something that is also very positive. To control feelings. Not to repress feelings necessarily. Even though in some situations, the ability to shut down certain feelings is extremely important. Only in a sheltered world, a completely sheltered world, are you able to completely express your feelings all the time. I'm sad, I'm going to give myself a chance to, to be sad. Let's give you a safe space to express your feelings. That is not real life. But don't you feel when you say repress, and I understand why you're saying repress, it's actually a, a shift on, on changing the way that yeah. you're, you're dealing with that. Repressing feelings, we understand from studying psychology that that is not good. But I, I'm just saying that a little bit more assertively. No, I understand. In but order. But what Joaquin said is very but, interesting. But so with just, kids, you know, the example that you gave mm -hmm. with a kid who is, you know, feeling something in the moment after he falls or, or yeah. goes through any kind of situation that brings sadness, that brings, you know, a negative feeling, a negative feeling and you want him to repress... What's your tactic as a father to be able to make him do that? So I don't want him to re repress in that moment at all. Well, the reason why I use the word repress is because I was about to give an example that, as I said, only in a sheltered world it's possible to, exp to express your feelings all the time. There are moments when you can do that and it's healthy to do that. But imagine you are at war and suddenly you start feeling depressed and sad. What do yeah. you have to do? Not Shut down those feelings and keep I going. I don't think you should repress. The, the way is to take, don't allow these feelings to come out by creating a paradigm shift on the way that you're dealing with those emotions. You don't allow them to come out. That's yes. what I mean by repress. Exactly. But don't by let changing, them come out. Yeah. By but changing but the way. But don't let them come out. If you're repressing and you're not using the technique that Joaquin is making reference to, which is very important and, very, my, and very difficult, we're stealing your. That was my TED talk. I agree. Because what's going right. to happen is that one. And you told me this. You're the one that told me this. I remember. Whatever you repress, one day comes out. But that point is made ad nauseum in our generation. Don't repress feelings. So everybody already knows that. I'm trying to give the other side, and I'm trying to give it a little bit more assertively because it cannot go to the other extreme. What's, the, I, what's the English expression? Suck it up. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's, I'm not, but that's not good either. As I said, sometimes it's, it's necessary. It is. Some t it's important to acknowledge feelings, yes. But not it's also much. important to yeah, yeah, yeah. teach. And, and yeah, it's not yeah, repress. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's also in Portuguese. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah means that you're whining. Yeah, everything is whining. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry that you feel that way. Oh, You know, that creates emotionally vulnerable individuals. Individuals that are not able. But and why are parents like this? Why are parents like this? Because they don't, they don't study the subject enough. Okay. Please tell me. No, I, I think it is a little bit of studying, but it's also this necessity to always have the child be happy. Good. That's right. I agree with and, that. And, and that's a big problem because when you're extremely happy and you're always very happy, it's even hard for you to be able to acknowledge what's good and bad. Correct. I think that it's possibly that, but I also believe that it is really the parent who feels like if your child falls, every time right, my child falls, I know that the right thing to do is 
get up, everything's okay. Of course, checking to make sure there's no injury. And, and giving him a hug can be good too. Yeah, sometimes. Yes. But every time I want to give a hug. Every time I want yes. to kiss him. Every time I want no, to I say everything's both, all right. I think you're both right. Yeah, because if you don't do that... But it's about me. It's about 100%. You. Yes. It's yes. about yes. how I yes. am feeling. Because when the child is happy, then you're happy. Yeah. But, but that, yeah. Th that was It's my point. It's the yeah. same. Yeah. But Guy's going deeper. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I, we want to do that. It's our instinct. Uh, instinct and maybe a little weakness too. Yeah. Right? It's like, ah, uh, you know, come Stay. here, my little... And that reminds me of Joaquin's son. quotes from the beginning. Easy choices, hard life. Yeah. Hard choices, easy life. life. Yeah. Sometimes it is too difficult for the parent to see the child cry, to see the child suffer. But understand that sometimes crying and suffering is a lesson in and of itself because life is going to have crying and suffering and they and, need to learn it. And those opportunities to be able to train that happens every day with yes. small things. And it's better and when you're you there. if you don't train Correct. in those small things then you're going to have a hard time when actually something big happens. When I look back in my upbringing, the, the, the hardest moments that I went through in my life are the ones that gives me the most power today. And if I look, and I'll use an example as a story that we, I spoke about already in one of the podcasts, which is the home invasion, there was no time for my father to give me a talk or anything after the home invasion. And I went to school that same day. And I remember going to school excited to be able to tell my friends about what I went through and the positive effects of that on my way to school. And I remember being excited. I'm going to show up to school. I'm going to tell them that these six guys invaded my house and they tied us up and the guy slapped me in the face and that's how he woke me up. That was the work of my dad and my mom in all those years before, in little things, in situations that were much easier for them to just give the hug, just to, you yeah. know... And and Helio Grace also, and Jiu-Jitsu and everything, which in the end of the day is the work of our parents, you know, as we yeah, said, putting yeah. at those role, models, role models. models and those mentors in our life. Those giving you those skills. Exactly. But it's interesting because, you know, I was looking back at this the other day and just replaying my head, and there was almost no conversations at that moment. After, when I came home from school... We spoke about it and all that. But as a child, I was, I think, 12, 12, 12 to 13 years old. I was able to apply those right choices, as Professor Pedro said, almost automatically. I didn't even have to think about it. And that's, the, and that's why the way is in training. Yes. Recently, I went to a lecture by one of the highest authorities in parenting in our time. PhD, very successful um, speaker about the subject. And very good as well. And I was there, and she was giving the lecture, but very much about don't control the child, let the child express, let children express themselves freely. You can't stop them from being what they want to be. You can't um, lay the path for them. They have to choose their path. And then she was giving an example about a father who wanted the child to do swimming, but the child didn't want to do swimming. And it's terrible to force the child to do swimming. And then talked about baseball, the same thing. It's about the ego of the father. And so I raised my hand in the end of the lecture. And she opened for questions. And I said, you gave the example about swimming and that the father was so wrong about forcing swimming. Mm -hmm. Now let's change the word swimming for brushing the teeth. 
Child doesn't want to brush the teeth. What do you do? Let them be. School. Don't yeah. want to go to school. I think school is even a better example. Don't want to go to school. What no, do you do? brushing the teeth. No, I agree. What do you do? But we have asked that to some parents over do? the years. And then she had to admit, she said, yeah, in that case, I don't believe in forcing. And I agree with that. That's jiu-jitsu. Forcing creates resistance. That's the rule that makes yeah. jiu-jitsu so special. But use psychology. But you're going to have to make your child do it. The way you make it is very important. And we can discuss that. How to use positive psychology to make the, student, the, the child do it. But you're going to have to make the child yeah. do it because you believe it's good for the child. And as you said earlier, a five-year-old cannot choose what's best. Of course. This is not possible. This is not possible and not intelligent. Now, you have right. to make the right decisions. Correct. And you might change your mind. You might say, mm, maybe this is not the right activity. But we also And you have to check yourself, too, to make sure it's not your ego, Correct. to make sure that you're not trying to live again through your child, which happens a lot, and a we lot. see that as jiu-jitsu teachers. But be careful also um, to not allow for too many changes because then you're going to start teaching children to give up. Correct. To start something and not fulfill their objective and just hop from one activity the mentality of quitters to another activity and Pedro so Joaquin we've been discussing um, so many different um, qualities and attributes that parents need to have so it's almost like a parent needs to be a, a, a rocket science yeah. scientist right and time is finishing, and I still feel like we have a lot of things to talk to about. Talk about yes. so you're, specific things. So imagine it's almost like you're an astronaut and you're piloting a spaceship, right? Yes. It's yes. so intricate. Yes. Now, can you do all of that under the influence of mind-altering substances? Not well. No. That's very interesting, right? Yeah. Because. All of these quick decisions that have to be made. Sometimes you have to reprimand. Sometimes you have to teach. Sometimes you have to really judge maybe a specific situation in order to be the best educator you can be. And if you're under the influence, you might let your emotions take over because children sometimes make parents angry. And the first rule that I tell parents is, you can act angry. Sometimes it's important to act in a firm way, but you should not get angry. Children feel the difference. We use that when we teach jiu-jitsu. So it's, it's much more difficult for parents. It's not a bad advice to you know, tell parents and to think about the time if they like to maybe have a drink, if they like to use any substances that, that are mind-altering. Beware. When you, when you are with your children. When you are with your children, because right. you might make some uh, decisions that you can regret later, and specifically because of those mind-altering substances. That was very... Um, we weren't planning to talk about yes. that, but it just came to my mind, and I think that's very, very important. important. Very important. Let me say... Let me talk about some specifics about this confidence-based approach, because some of the results. We want our children to like the dark and to be able to sleep by themselves in a room after a certain age, young age. Three years old, four years old, five years old. Is that right? Yes. Do you think that's very important for their confidence? 
very, very important. And that's something that we just expect to happen naturally? No. We have to take specific actions from the beginning. From the beginning, yeah. To make sure that they're building that level of confidence. Because many times parents say, no, I, I don't want to do that because I don't want to hurt their feelings. And that's something that's very important in parenting. Stop being scared about hurting your child's feelings. It is okay for them sometimes not to like what you have to say. And you must teach your children that they have to do many times things that they don't want to do, but it's good for them. And this requires training from the beginning. You can't let them think that they only do what they want to do and what they feel like doing. That creates monsters. <laughs> wow. Yep, I, I agree. I agree. So, for example, the feeling of guilt. It's not good to feel guilt, I understand. But once again, I'm going to take it to the other side because I feel that people are always trying to prove, I don't want to feel guilt. I don't want the child to feel guilt. But sometimes guilt is a, is, a, is a regulation process. It regulates your actions so you don't do bad things. Because you know you don't want to feel guilty and guilt, feeling guilty is bad. So you're going to think twice before doing something bad. This idea of not allowing children to ever feel guilt takes away something that is very important to instill with them, which is a sense of responsibility. We need to teach children to be responsible, accountability, and also to be accountable, not just to themselves, but to others as well, to their family. This is the principle of honor. I already teach my son that he's part of a family and a community, a jiu-jitsu school, and that he should not engage in behaviors that are not only going to embarrass him, but embarrass everybody else. That's being a good team member. Yes. Right? So it's okay to teach children, and I think this tribe concept, you're part of a tribe. You have an identity. I saw a lecture by a, a Brazilian philosopher recently that was very interesting. He said something that really hit home with me. He said, rebellious teenagers think they are rebellious because they go against their parents. But in reality, they're not rebellious. They're conformists. Because they're acting just like everybody else. And just being different. And the two people who love them and who want to be them the give them the best. You know what a true maverick, a true rebellious spirit would do? Be with the parents and not like the friends. That's true maverick. That's a true maverick. That's someone who is able to go against the current. To be against the parents and with all the friends, that's what everybody does. That's the easy way. But to say, I'm going to believe in my parents and I'm going to go against my friends, that's what takes real courage. And so this sense of identity, and I think that's something that was very important with this philosophy, right? Most people don't have a philosophy. What is this? I have a philosophy. We always grew up thinking we have a different way of life. It's different. It's better. And it makes us special. And that raises our self-esteem, our self-confidence, and it gives us the ability to go against the tide when people are trying to convince us to do bad things. And I think this is a very important aspect in properly raising children. Choose your philosophy through your research. Create a philosophy for your family and give your children a sense of identity so they can feel strong and not inclined to follow the crowd and to act like sheep. Great points. How do you, Pedro, mitigate or manage the difference between being a teacher 
and a parent. Meaning, you can be a great teacher, you can be a great educator for so many children, but when it comes to educate your own child, you might not have the time, you might not have the focus. You already answered the question. And also you might not understand what Joaquin said, that sometimes as the father, as the mother, you might not be able, possibly, not always, to achieve certain yes, objectives. But I, but I think that if you are a great teacher for children, you have the tools to be, to be a great parent. Obviously, you're going to have to learn other things that are not, but the psychology, which is the most important part, you have. If you're a great teacher and you know how to motivate children, you know how to keep children interested, you know how to make them feel special, you have the tools. The problem is that sometimes, because your teaching is your profession, you spend a lot of time and you dedicate a lot of time, but your own family, you don't give the same attention. And then you're going to fail. Without attention, without focus, it's not going to work. And what if, in this case, if your husband, Pedro, or if your wife, right, does not agree with this? When you asked me the first question, what did I say the first thing was? What was the first thing I said? Choosing the right partner. Yes. But it can so happen. People change. And my advice is do everything you can to create harmony. Because if there's no love... Because remember, your child is a product of the love between you and your partner. Your child is a product of that love. So if you have one message... If that love breaks, it hurts the child always. Yes. And if you have one message... Right, Joaquin? Let's say you're the father and you're... Or even the mother in this case... And you have this philosophy and you believe in this, but at the same time, your partner is actually sometimes directly, and that's terrible, but even indirectly teaching opposing views and creating that division, that split. I think that breaks, like Pedro said, that breaks, the, breaks whole, the trust. Breaks the chain. Yes. And... You know, I went through a divorce when I was uh, 11 to the 12. The divorce of your parents. Yes, the divorce <laughs> of my parents. Yeah. I didn't divorce anyone when I was 11 years old. And, uh, and it's hard. And it's hard. But again, I think that, you know, through the way that my mom and my dad brought me up, even at that age, I could see how those, those lessons that I had until that age helped me to be able to go through that moment in a, in a very positive way. And I think, you know, together with some other instances in my life, it was, the, it was a very important moment in my life. And I think it made who I am today. Yes. I think there were great lessons to be learned from that. And uh, it is what it is. You know, we, you, sometimes we, uh, when you find yourself in difficult moments, there's a reason why you're there and you got to find the right tools to be able to deal with that. And that's why... We have to prepare our kids from, you know, prenatal to infant to kid because something could happen at any moment and we want to be ready. And let me we want to have the tools. And let me say something. As you said before, that requires training. Like, I take my son often to the steam room and consult your doctor before you do that to make sure it's age appropriate. 
that I take my son to the steam room. And the first time he went in, it's hot, very hot. I don't like this. I want to leave. No, let's stay. Let's stay. How long can you stay? Three minutes. And you challenge. And children are competitive. They're born with a competitive spirit. And then he learns by taking that, because you need to take it. I don't want to be here, but I'm going to be here. You're building his resilience, his stress resilience, his ability to handle uncomfortable situations. And we do that with jiu-jitsu training. We do that with um, steam room. We do it with, with water, underwater, f- swimming underwater. Going in the ocean. Going in the ocean and allowing them. And obviously with our care, and you need to know how to do this. Be careful not to do irresponsible things and put your child in danger. But with your care, you can do things. And we started that at a very early age, throwing the child up, lifting the child, allowing for the child to experience certain feelings and regulate those feelings. I think stress regulation, the regulation of emotions, the ability not to be very affected by emotions is one of the most important things to teach children from a very early age. And so in order for them to be able to go through the difficulties of life, we're doing, this talk is about parenting. And we tell people, avoid divorce if you can. Obviously, there are some situations that it can't be avoided. But avoid. Think about the children. That's our advice. But from the children's perspective, from the child's perspective, if it happens, and it happens all the time, the more you trained as a kid to handle that, to it handle bad on, feelings, the, depends the, on the, the stronger age. you're going to be. Yeah, it depends on the age sure. also. Absolutely. Man. And I think that in this regard, it's more up to the parents. I think it would be unfair, again, depending on the age, to expect Correct. something from the child, sure. from children. Absolutely. And I think that, again, this is uh, probably, I just can imagine, very difficult, but one suggestion that we would make is if you have to divorce, try hard not to allow that negativity or the reason why you're divorcing to interfere with the way, the way that at one point both parents created, designed for the upbringing of that child. Don't decide you know, because you're upset at your partner that that way is bad and you're going to change it all because that's going to create a short circuit many times in the child's and children's um, emotions and and mind. So I think that there are many examples of children that have lived through divorces, but I think that if the parents agree to still maintain some harmony. stability, That's harmony. What I, said, harmony yeah. I think that can can have a completely different effect Correct. on the child's life. Correct. I said I talked about the steam room, I talked about swimming, I didn't talk about the most important one. Nutrition. We've talked about that before. But that's one of the best ways to teach your child discipline. Especially one component of our nutritional philosophy, which is time to eat. Time to eat. I remember going to birthday parties when I was young. And they would offer me foods, and I would say, it's not my time to eat. And the parents of my friends would not understand, and they would call many times my mother and say, what, is it not time to eat? Oh, no, it's because we're raised in this way, and he went there more to play. He already ate. He was not hungry. But we had something that was time to eat. You're hungry. You want to eat. You can't eat. It's not your time to eat. 
And that's extremely important because it teaches the child that I want that, but I can't have it because it's not good for me to have it now. So parents always want to indulge their children. Here, have this, have that, have a little peace, have a little... Which is a huge problem later, right? With yeah. anxiety. They might see that. Many times we, we speak about this. They're like, come on, what's the problem? Yeah, the they see it as love. Eat. It's love. But then they want the kid to have discipline yes. in much harder situations. Correct. And they don't understand the association that developing discipline in these things that... Small. You know, the, small the small things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and Pedro, also before we, we close this episode, which once again, as you said, we could spend so many more hours discussing this and also trying to remember the experiences that we live through and everything we learn from our great teachers but we have to to talk about and even give our friends an advice aside from school right which is very important academic instruction to develop the mind intellectually teach your children how to develop themselves physically and we believe that there are three very important activities that should be done at some point in, in children's life. They are jiu-jitsu, swimming, and horseback riding. Yes. Right? But why horseback riding, Pedro? Horseback riding is important because imagine for a child to be able to control such a big animal as a horse. It really contributes to self-confidence. There are many studies that show oh, yeah. how therapeutic therapeutic effect. Also, it connects you with nature. And with the animal world in a very special way, because I'm sure you guys understand. Imagine our sister and her beautiful relationship with her horses, which translates to her relationship with all the animals, with dogs, and and so. And with horses, you understand very quickly because you are mounting on a horse, and the relationship, as you said, is so powerful that you learn from an early age that your feelings are actually passed on to the horse. Yes, affect so, the horse. Yes. So you, you, you learn that if you want the horse to feel calm, you have to remain calm. So it teaches you how to be a parent because what you just said is Applies. one of the most important rules in parenting. How can you ask your child to do something if you're not doing it yourself? Leading by example is extremely important, especially when it comes to feelings. So not just riding the horse, also learning how to take care of the horse. Correct. Right? Correct. And swimming, of course, right? For yeah. obvious reasons, and it's also self-defense. Self-defense and swimming, right? Yes, swimming, swimming is self-defense. Self yeah, but self-defense, jujitsu, our method for self-defense, is extremely important because how can you go through life? Think about this: people get attacked, right? People get attacked. Look at David Chappelle two <laughs> nights ago. Look at Will Smith with Chris Rock. People get attacked. And even if you never get attacked, there's a fear of being attacked. How can you go through life not knowing what to do if someone attacks you? At least knowing the basics of self-defense. We all remember, we all remember. Every child must learn. That girl or boy that bullied us, that attacked us when we were kids. We all remember. There's always one little story. There's always somebody that pushed us, that punched us, that grabbed us. And, it, and, and many times, if that's not dealt with, and I think jujitsu is the best um, therapy for that, it becomes trauma, right? If it's not addressed, it becomes trauma. So yes, for learn, sure. learn how to fight, learn how to swim, and learn how to ride. Yes. And to close, I think that 
we realize in this podcast, within our philosophy, that tough love is important. Right? That discipline is important. That creating boundaries is important. For example, we didn't talk about teaching good manners. That's extremely important. I think our mother did a very good job in that, on that with us. And our father as well. Yeah, grabbing right? how, to, how to hold the utensils. Yes, and also how to say thank you, how to say please, how to greet others, how to have a firm handshake, looking in the eyes, how to behave appropriately so that your peers like you. That's a big part in socialization. You want your child to behave in a way where others are going to like him. That's important. You cannot go through life alone. Oh, my child doesn't want to say hi to anybody. It's okay. You know it's, what his, that, it's his freedom. He doesn't want to say hi to you. You know what that's going to create? It's going to create a person that no one likes. That no one, and then they're not going to be able to have friends and, and, and socialize, which is the most important thing for the brain. No, but you have to respect his freedom. You have to respect his right yeah, not to say hi, not to communicate. You know, Don't touch him. That's not respect. That's fear. That's fear to teach the child the right and to go against. People are afraid to contradict children. A ch someone extends their hand to a child or maybe a fist bump nowadays but and the child refuses and of course we're talking about you know somebody already and uh, maybe a little bit more than just a toddler or a round toddler yeah. age, but even if it happens and they the, refuse yes I, you know I'm not going to create a scene in the moment but you're going to address it but you can it. be sure that I'm going to address it in a very strong way not screaming but in a very serious way because children deserve our respect and that's respect is to treat them in a serious way. But hold on, Pedro. The child has the right not to say <laughs> hi to you. <laughs> you have the right to do whatever you want, but you're going to suffer the consequence. And I don't want my child to be in a position to suffer bad consequences in life, so I'm going to teach him how to behave in the best possible way to be able to make friends and to be a good member of a community and a society. Exactly. It's my job as a parent. So let me tell you, when, when the child does that, and it happens to every my, yeah, my, my son did and, that. And already. like you said, you don't have, sometimes you shouldn't create a scene or make the child. And it's a process. Yeah. It's going to take a while. But you have to work on but it. You have to keep working on it. And I do that with my child. And you have to collect the data. And I train. You got to see that. And then you have to be able to say, okay, I have to train him. I have to address this. Or her. And, and, and for this, the parents need, needs to have a critical eye sometimes even stepping outside of the situation to be able to analyze the behaviors, to be able to analyze the actions. Yes. And by doing that, creating the best upbringing for the kid. Correct. I role play, for example. I do that with my child. Let's role play. Let's say you see one of daddy's friends and how are you going to do it? Let's go. And then we do it one, two, three times. And then it gets better. You need to address the issue and you need to do it with good psychology. Not, you don't want to break the spirit of children. But you can be scared. You can be scared of not wanting to break. No, I'm. I don't want to break ever. No, you don't want to break. But if, I, but but you understand that if a parent is extremely scared of that happening, then he might go the other way also. Yes, but you don't. I, that's our philosophy. That's a good point. I think it's a great point. But our philosophy is to discipline without breaking the spirit. Because you're not scared. Are you scared? No, I'm not scared. scared. Exactly. So that's, scared. that's the point. And I think I'm a lot of parents... Careful. I'm careful. A lot of parents are very scared of yeah. breaking the kid. Yeah, because and then can, they stay very far away from that because it yeah. is a fine line. Because it's like me asking, are you scared of your child being having no manners? If, no, I'm not scared. So it's both. So exactly. The, 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 but the way for me not to be scared of him having no manners yeah. is because there has to be 
a strong approach yeah. to that subject. So and that strong approach for many people is, hey, be careful. You're going to break your kid. I'm sure friends of our dad told them that. But he knew that he was not because he did it with psychology. 100%. Yeah, yeah but there were others. But he was much closer me, to that line than, than, yeah. than, than, and, and I think than other that's, people. And I think, Joaquin, that's the balance. I think that we, perfection doesn't exist. But I think the, the education, what happened in our home, really attempted to find this balance. Because we saw very close to us, too, an approach of, I just want to create little... Um, what's the word I'm trying to look for? You know, pit bulls? Yeah. <laughs> you know, nobody, there, there are no limits, right? doesn't work. It doesn't work either. It's not good. It's not also the society we live in. And I also have friends who were raised in a very sheltered, oh, I'm sorry, oh, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings, the parent treating the child like that. And today you have... Um, people who struggle emotionally. So it's the balance, the right? Balance. And, and, and respecting. I, I believe that I respect my son. I respect him as a human being. And when I educate him, which is my role as a father, to discipline him, to educate, I do it with respect. And I look at him and I speak with him. I don't underestimate my son's ability to understand me. And I always treat him with respect. And I try to control my emotions so I'm not angry at him. And I can discipline him in a firm way, but not because I'm upset, but because I think it's right. So finding that balance between respect and weakness, finding that balance between discipline and love and care is, I think, the key to good parents. But do you think that discipline is in the other side of the spectrum of love? No. You're very good at being picky with words, like no. scared and love. No, <laughs> because, I don't. Because you can, I think discipline is love, You right? understand what I mean. Yeah. I, I, I get your point, but I mean care, like um, showing your, your, your loving emotions to your child. On the other side and of discipline, discipline, you could even have weakness. Yes. yes, absolutely. And that's what it is. I yeah. agree that the, op the opposite I, of discipline is and not And I don't love. think that care and love is no. weakness. No, discipline is an expression of love. I understand. But let me try to make my point better. On one side, you have the times that you need to be strict with your child. On the other side, you have the times where you're going to give your child a hug and tell him how much you like him and how much you appreciate him and, and build that emotional connection. Those two things are very important. I have very fond memories of playing with my father in his bed and, you know, and, and playing with the, under the sheets when I was three years old, four years old, and, and him hugging me. And I always felt that my dad hugged me and was very loving towards me. But I also remember very strict moments. Yeah, him making you work out and me laughing about it. <laughs> <laughs> and a hundred more sit-ups when I was, you know, already couldn't do it anymore, crying yeah, and like, because my form was not good. We lived in a hill, yeah, which it was with a car, it was what, about five minutes to yeah. go up? Two so and half, Two and a half. Yeah, what, two, two and a half minutes? To go up in the car. Really, just that? No, I think more. That, you're driving very fast. <laughs> so, Let's bet. <laughs> yeah. so, so anyways, but it, it was quite a way. It was, yeah. you know, if you had to run, 
That would be a nice thing to do if we go to Rio, to yeah. run all the way up. Running, I would say, was, what, 12 minutes, 15 minutes? More? I don't know. What would you guess? I don't know. <laughs> But anyways, for us as little kids, it was a lot. And he would many times just, yeah. as we were driving up, he would open the door and say, jump out. Yeah, and, and it would keep getting lower. But I saw a picture the other day. I was like five years old, the age of my son. Yeah. And I'm running behind the car. And he would, yes, he would say, get out, go running. Yeah. So, so that's the thing. So what I meant is that you have those two moments. I'm not saying they're opposites of each yeah. other, but they are different aspects and you have to balance them. And that balance, I think, is the key. But always respecting your child and understanding that the child, you should be able to be sensitive to see the uniqueness of your child and allow him to flourish under his own personal journey. Yeah, without excessive mamãezada, for sure. <laughs> What's mamãezada? <laughs> It's a Brazilian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yes. Anyway, so thank you so much once again, Joaquim. Any final no. words? So I hope all of you enjoyed. Uh, once again, we're just sharing some of our experiences and our maybe conclusions. And sometimes they change over time. And I think that's key. As you learn, you should always be humble enough to recognize mistakes and to keep moving forward. So don't forget to share this video if you enjoyed. Like, subscribe, and we'll see you very soon. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you.